Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sounds of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Well, thank you, band. I heap superlatives on you. Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but one of the key themes running through this concert has been joy and happiness. It ties together the songs and the readings. And of course, this isn't surprising, because Christmas is an intensely joy-focused season. You see it in how we address each other with our cheery Merry Christmas, or Happy Christmas, as it's properly meant to be said. We hear the focus on joy in our jolly carols. We've had some of those tonight. The Christmas hits, playing in supermarkets on the high street. It is the season where we are meant to be rocking around the Christmas tree in giddy happiness. And of course, one can almost literally feel the giddiness of our kids as Christmas approaches. Uh, They are delirious, aren't they? And for parents, it becomes an issue of how to contain it so the happiness bubble doesn't burst. Now, this theme of joy and happiness brings to mind what a French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, wrote long ago, back in the 17th century, when he said, all people seek happiness, and this is without exception. Very interesting. All people seek happiness And this is without exception. It's a way of saying that none of us can help ourselves when it comes to desiring and seeking for happiness. We long for it and we go searching for it. So each of us here has our own happiness project. Now this inbuilt drive that we all have for the happy life means that we all live with a certain expectation of being able to find it. 
So this search for happiness becomes our hope. Source of our dreams. But it also constitutes our greatest fear. The fear being, what if happiness eludes me? What if I don't find happiness? Now, I find it very interesting how the happiness project has become a very public matter. Government departments are paying increasing amounts of attention to the subject of happiness. They're conducting their own research through dozens of happiness surveys, trying to get to grips with this universal longing. I smiled recently when I discovered that the government of Venezuela in South America has recently set up a division called the Department of Supreme Happiness. Wow. Sounds pretty lofty for any government department. The Department of Supreme Happiness. Now, what drives this public concern? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It's the realization that misery is outweighing happiness. So the happiness project that everyone's pursuing is not delivering. And now the state is assuming increasing responsibility for the happiness project. That's a big thing to take on. Now that raises another question. Why is the modern happiness project failing? Well, I would suggest this. Although all of us live for happiness, we don't necessarily know the conditions for finding it. And when you grapple with happiness, you see that there are certain conditions for obtaining it. So it's important to get the conditions right. And if we fail to get them right, it's going to be the cause of our misery. Now, there are lots of different approaches to defining conditions for happiness. All of us here have a commitment to the condition we believe is going to deliver it. So, some would say that the condition for happiness is related to the level of your affluence, your wealth. So, the quality of your happiness is conditioned by what you can afford to buy. Now, at one level, it's, it's pretty hard to argue with that one. The famous actress Bo Derek once said, Whoever said money can't buy happiness simply didn't know where to go shopping. Now, much could be said of wealth as a condition for happiness. I think you can argue straightforwardly that the richer you get, the more expensive your happiness becomes. Makes sense. I also find it interesting that a number of surveys on happiness have uncovered what's become known as the paradox of happiness. And the paradox is this that an increase in wealth actually leads to a decrease, a decline, with your satisfaction of life. That's the, the, the paradox of happiness. So increased wealth and affluence is not necessarily the condition for your happiness. Another way of saying it is that happiness can't be bought or purchased. Then others would say that the condition for happiness comes down to good health. And this has become one of the great modern pursuits in the quest for happiness. Get fit. Eat your way to happiness. And again, 
I see a lot of sense in this. There's no doubt that good health helps a lot when it comes to the satisfied life, to feeling happy. However, in my experience, the pursuit of health begins to become a case of diminishing returns when you crack past 50. Because then your hair begins to fall out, and despite regular brushing of your teeth, they're wearing down. Sleep is no longer my friend. It actually hates me. And I have various aches and pains that good eating and exercise can't seem to wrinkle out. And, looking at some of you, it makes me wonder what I'm going to be like when I'm 60. Then there are others who would say that the condition for happiness is simply down to the quality of your relationships. As Oscar Wilde reminded us, some people cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. (laughs) Now for me, this condition of quality relationships scores high in terms of the pursuit of happiness. And if you look at the various surveys, they reveal the same. Happiness is very much related to good friendship, good family relationship. So there's lots of good reasons why this should be pursued as one of the conditions for happiness. However, this too has its limitation as a condition. Because the fact is, you cannot control all the relationships that make up your life. Some of you are just stuck with your mother-in-law. Others are stuck with a boss who makes your life miserable. Some of you are stuck with your mad, crazy, noisy neighbors. And we also need to factor in that the people that really matter to us can be taken away. They can move away. Or worse, they can die. It's a fragile condition. Now here I also need to mention that recent brain science tells us that the conditions for happiness are simply beyond your control. And why is that? Well, says brain science, some are born to be happy and some are not born to be happy. I find that so depressing. Now the reason for this is down to how our brain chemistry works. Because all happiness at the core brain level is related to what's known as dopamine dopamine release. And some of you have higher levels of dopamine release than others. It's just wired in. So modern brain science says your happiness is hardwired. That's its condition. And we just want to say, what? You can't be serious. That's, That's not fair. But to some degree, that's how it is. Yep, and that's why some people are optimists and others are pessimists. We could probably divide the room on those two categories. There's a story about a family with twin boys. And these twin boys are opposite in every way. One of the twins is an eternal optimist. The other is a doom and gloom pessimist. Now, just to see what would happen at Christmas time, the father loaded the pessimist room with every imaginable toy and game. Surely, he thought, this is going to turn his gloom into happiness. Well, that night, the father passed by the pessimist room and find him, found him sitting amidst all these toys, crying bitterly. Why are you crying, the father asked. 
And the boy said, because all my friends are going to be jealous of me. I've got to read all these instructions before I can do anything with this stuff. And I'm going to constantly need new batteries. And all my toys are going to eventually get broken. The father left him in his pessimism. Now, in the room of the eternal optimist child, the father had simply dumped a huge big pile of manure right in the center of his room. Well, passing this room, the father found the optimist boy dancing for joy in the pile of manure. And father says, what are you so happy about? And the boy replied, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) Some are optimists, some are pessimists. It's written in. Now, I mention these things because when you begin to probe the various conditions for happiness, you discover how fragile it is. Your happiness is dependent on lots of factors you cannot control. And actually, the Christmas season highlights the fragility of happiness. Christmas brings all this expectation of happiness... But we shouldn't hide from the fact that for many, many, Christmas is anything but a season of joy. It's quite the opposite. An interview I read recently said this about the so-called season of joy. Every year, there's extra pressure to be happy and to have love surround you at Christmas. And for me, it feels the loneliest time because of this. The media creates this perfect vision of a family Christmas, and it's an ideal that hangs over me and makes me very miserable. My depression and anxiety always gets worse at Christmas. Happiness is fragile at Christmas for so many. In fact, there's a body of research showing that Christmas is anything but a happy time for many, many. In the applied research and the quality of life, scientists from Germany, maybe they're not so good at finding happiness, I don't know, but they found that the Christmas period decreases the quality of life for many Europeans. So it found that the period of time around Christmas gave people significantly less satisfaction and more negative emotions when compared with the rest of the year. Happiness is fragile. Now, the point I want to make to you tonight is this, as I finish. Christmas really is meant to be the season of joy, and for a very good and solid reason. And this is because Christmas focuses to where true and lasting happiness is to be found. And you see this in the message that the angel delivered to the shepherds as recorded in Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Here's a great joy, a great happiness that no one is excluded from. All of us search for happiness. Well, here's the source, says the angel to the shepherds. And here's a reminder that the birth of Jesus is where the happiness project was always meant to be focused. And why is that? Well, because Jesus was born into this world on a joy rescue mission. And that is the good news. The birth of Jesus is connected to the happiness project. Now, perhaps for many of you, this comes as a surprise. 
Because I think most people tend to think that God is the ultimate killjoy of this universe. So we think God looks down from heaven and he observed all the things that make people happy and he made rules and laws against all the sources of our happiness. So he saw what what people do between the sheets gives certain amounts of pleasure and joy. He has a downer on that. He'd invented all kinds of rules to kill off that joy. Then he saw that people get a certain kind of joy with friends and flowing alcohol. Yep, there's another happiness I need to eliminate and some more killjoy rules. That's how many see God. But this couldn't be further from the truth as the Christmas season reveals. The God who made you, the God who made me, is the happiest being that ever existed. The Bible reflects he couldn't be happier. God is perfectly happy. And the birth event of Jesus Christ shows that he is totally for our joy. In fact, God is the enemy of all misery. He's not the enemy of happiness. He's not the great killjoy of the planet. He's for our happiness. And that's why he sent Jesus on a joy rescue mission. Now, this mission involved two things. Firstly, Jesus had to deal with the sources of all the misery. All your misery, all my misery. And he did that because he's the enemy of misery. And that's why the message of the angel to the shepherds went on to communicate, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born. Now why is Jesus called a Savior? Well, because he's going to deliver us from our misery. That's what saviors do. They deliver you from something. Jesus is going to deliver us from our misery. And that's why as the Savior, he goes after the root of our misery. That's why he came into the world. And what's the root of our misery? Well, in a nutshell, it's our selfishness. The fact that all of us are so self-centered. And that means we selfishly try to forge our own path to happiness. And we do that completely apart from God. And that just doesn't work. In fact, it makes us more miserable in the end. So my selfishness and your selfishness and everyone else's selfishness has mounted up to create an an Everest of misery. Now the good news of this season is that Jesus has come into the world as a light into the darkness of misery. He has come as joy to trample on the sources of misery in the universe. And the good news is that he has dealt with the source of our misery at very, very great cost to himself. And this is where gift comes in. He has crushed our sin and our selfishness by taking it on himself and dying on a cross. And that cross on which he died is the banishment, ultimately, of human misery. So this good news that this season reminds us of is that the conditions for happiness cost Jesus his very life. So first, he dealt with the sources of misery. Then secondly, his mission was all about restoring us to joy. It's about a return to happiness. And this return to the happiness we were always made for, that's why we desire it, God put it in our hearts, 
The condition is that we come back into relationship with God. And we do that through the gift offered to us in Jesus Christ on the basis of His very costly death. So because He has dealt with sin, which is our misery, Jesus restores us to God. And that is the return to happiness. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying here that the life of the Christian is all happiness and smiles and sunbeams. Not at all. We face the same fragilities as everyone else. Declining health, broken relationships, the death and loss of loved ones, and on and on it goes. The difference for the Christian is that we know the conditions for true happiness. Everyone seeks it. The believer knows where to find it. We find it in Jesus Christ who restores us to God. So the Christian is someone who has discovered that Jesus Christ ultimately is the condition for joy. And we've discovered that this happiness comes to us as gift. The Bible calls that grace. So it's not ultimately that we have found happiness, but in Jesus, happiness has found us. Well, as the angel said to the shepherds, this news of great joy is for all people. It's for all of us here tonight. So if you want this joy to find you, you need to find out who Jesus is and what he has done to to, to remove the causes of misery, how he restores us to joy. And I would say because we all seek happiness, we can't help ourselves, there's no better thing to do than to receive this gift that he makes to us all this Christmas. God bless you all. Amen.